This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Ilan Kazan, co-founder and CEO of Exceed AI. I was exposed to what I would say the middle of the funnel, how difficult it is to manage a huge stream of leads. I saw how much time the reps are spending in qualifying, getting back, and trying to set appointments, talking to the wrong people, how much leads that marketing created, nobody actually does anything with them or follows up on. So I understood that there is a real problem here that is not necessarily related to the size of the company, but rather the nature of the business. The problem is that when you get all those leads in the top of the funnel, you get a lot of noise. It takes a lot of time and it's a very, very manual process. And we said, okay, this is repetitive, it repeats itself, so let's find a way to automate. This is Elon. He's a co-founder and CEO of Exceed AI. He has built an 18-year career in general management and product management for leading global technology companies, including Cisco, WebEx, Comet, and others. During this time, he has proven to be a successful product leader focused on driving products, user experience, strategy, and execution, and building products users and enterprises love. In September 2016, he co-founded AI with the belief that sales rep time is precious and shouldn't be wasted on menial, error-prone tasks. And as such, they developed an AI sales assistant that enables sales teams to engage with every lead in a personalized and timely manner, allowing them to laser focus on high-priority prospects. And this triggered me. Hence, I invited Elon to my podcast. We explore the challenges every salesperson has in performing in their job and how the bulk of their time is spent on tasks that doesn't use their competence in the optimal way. We also assess why a combination of sales plus AI delivers far better results than simply trying to replace sales with AI. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, that to stand out in your market, you have to deliver value beyond what the others are delivering. Going the extra mile will pay off, but sometimes this also means pivoting your business. Secondly, that the value is in the data, and often the data is not there, meaning you have to find clever ways to gather it. But this means that you're not only building a product, but you're actually building a platform that gets smarter and smarter with every interaction. And thirdly, how your biggest competitor is often doing nothing because of inertia 
or simply because people are being skeptical or fearful. The ultimate way out is positioning. Well, to get started, Ilan, can you introduce yourself and give the audience a little bit of background, uh, what you've been doing so far and how you ended up starting Exceed? All right, so my name is uh, Ilan Kazan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Exceed AI. And I used to spend uh, 15 years in the United States, in Silicon Valley, where at one point I joined WebEx, the video conferencing uh, and web conferencing product, in about 2005 in product management. And after about four or five years, I was managing, after, I was managing that business for Cisco after it was acquired uh, by Cisco. Okay. Now, people don't know it, but WebEx is a billion dollars. It's a SaaS business. We, sell, we used to sell anywhere from end users who swipe the credit card on the website yeah. through SMB and very large enterprises. And that's where the first time I was exposed to what I would say the middle of the funnel, how difficult it is to manage a huge stream of leads. Because the reality today is that anybody can pay money and get leads. Uh, B2B lead today costs about $1,000. You spend a million dollars a month, you're going to get 10,000 leads. And I saw how much time the reps are spending in qualifying, getting back, and trying to set appointments, talking to the wrong people, how much leads that marketing created, nobody actually does anything with them or follows up properly. So that's kind of the first time I was exposed to the problem that Exceed is trying to solve. And then later on, after I left uh, Cisco, I joined a company called the Comeet in the HR space. And with Comeet, while it was a small company, I was a COO, I was exposed again, and I noticed that we have very similar problems in smaller scale. So I understood that there is a real problem here that is not necessarily related to the size of the company, but rather the nature of the business the fact that there's a digital acquisition followed by reps that have to close the deal. So what is the problem? The problem is that when you get all those leads in the top of the funnel, you get a lot of noise. You are, before you spend time of an expensive rep to actually go and talk to that lead and qualify them and understand what they're looking for, it takes a lot of time and it's a very, very manual process. You, you know, you want to ask questions, you want to check out the lead, you want to look at his profile, but then you also have to answer questions. And we said, okay, this is repetitive, it repeats itself, so let's find a way to automate it. And that's kind of how Yaron and I, my partner, decided to say, okay, here's a problem, there's real money involved, it's, very, you know, it's a repetitive job that nobody likes doing, let's see if we can solve it. Interesting. I can tell you from experience as well that this is uh, a real problem. I've seen it uh, from very, very close. So what is the potential? What do you think is the potential if you, if you fix it? And how do you fix it at the end? Okay. So today we started a tech, but you look at many industries have this problem. Any company that has a digital acquisition follows up by people who have to close the deal has this problem, B2B and B2C for considered purchases. So if we can come in and show people that they can repurpose their reps' time instead of chasing leads and qualifying leads, closing deals, there's huge value to the companies. So that's kind of there's a huge potential here, and it's multiple industries, so the market is huge. Now, that's kind of the potential. Now, the way we solve it is we've, we use AI 
and natural language understanding and natural language generation technology to build a system whereby we receive as an input the sales playbook. The sales playbook is really the rules of engagement that every rep would engage his leads. Think of it, the training you would provide a new rep who joins your company, whether it's a sales development rep or an inside sales rep. How to communicate with every lead, how to handle objections, what to do when somebody wants to see a demo, what to do if somebody's asking about the competition or about pricing. And then you feed our system all those rules, how your responses, your rules, the email communication, and then you start running our virtual agent, our virtual rep, if you will, yeah. and he starts communi- automatically communicating with those reps, whether, sorry, with the lead, whether it's an inbound lead or an outbound lead, it doesn't really matter. And we can communicate with them over email or over chat on the website. Cool. Now, this is not 100%. Sometimes our engine doesn't know what to do. So it can rep <laughs> and ask for advice. And the rep can actually respond on behalf of the virtual engine or decide perhaps to uh, take over the conversation or request to be introduced into the conversation. The outcome of what we do is once the lead is qualified, we introduce the rep into the conversation, and we also go ahead and schedule a meeting with the customer directly into the rep's calendar. Yeah. That sounds like a dream, possibly even for me. <laughs> but I, I believe for, for a lot of people, particularly in the B2B space, because that's, of course, that's where the, the questions are. Well, possibly, I think, also for, for B2C. I mean, I agree with you. It's, uh, that's often about lower, lower value deals. And as a consequence, the time is even more valuable that you can win there. So what is the percentage of time that you take out of the, uh, that you free up for a, for a sales rep? So we have one case study where we have shown that we are able to increase the number of qualified meetings for each rep by 81%. Which is a huge increase. So, so instead of a 36%, uh, sorry, 36 meetings per month, so we're able to get around 60 meetings per month. Yeah. Now, you can say, okay, how, how come the rep suddenly has time to meet with 60? Because we were able to free up their time wasted on all those communications and viewing emails and sending emails. And, and in, in return, they were able to spend that time meeting with prospects. Yeah, it works on two sides. Yeah, and what was interesting was that the close rate of those leads that we booked into the calendar were the same. So we weren't booking junk. That was super important for us to understand. And the rep had to spend one hour, up to one hour. It was actually one hour initially, and then it went down to half an hour on our system, approving emails that have been sent out when we were unsure if it's the right email, or sometimes we were not able to answer questions, they had to answer it on behalf of the AI engine. But you had to do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. But one hour is about 81% increase. These are good results. It's the dream of uh, every company, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. So does it also do, I mean, it qualifies, but... And then, of course, then it hands over. Is, it, is, is the system also working on, on mechanisms to, to maybe do a little bit of timing here and there? Absolutely. What are... Yes. So, obviously, in email, you're not going to respond right away after two seconds because then people will know it's a bot. 
-hmm. uh, but you also sometimes want to uh, make sure you respond to somebody uh, to increase and uh, at the right time to increase the open rate. So what we typically do is we try and do a few things. One is if we know the time zone or the country, we'll try and time it in a working hour and maybe in a similar period of time where he originally started the communication. So we know he's potentially might be available at that time. We try to limit the amount of emails we send somebody in a given day, especially if there's a conversation going. We also have a, a tool to optimize how many emails to follow-up emails to send if somebody does not respond or suddenly disappears sure. and yeah. at what frequency. And then we have clever things like, you know, if somebody's out of the office, we can identify that and we make sure to kind of re-engage the person again when he's back from, you know, from vacation. For example, I hope you had a great time out of the office. In case you missed my email, I'm copying mm -hmm. it again. And so we know to time those things again. So we won't do it the day he comes back. We might wait an extra day and then make sure we send the email. You know, somebody's yeah. back from vacation, you want to give him maybe a day or two to catch up and only then send him the email. Yeah, that's cool. That's where self-learning comes in place and where the system just gets smarter and smarter. Absolutely. That, yeah. how the algorithm works. Yeah. And I mean, what I've learned from, from the introduction that you gave is that it, it's really already adjusting to the, to the company's behaviors because of the sales playbook that you feed the, the AI. Right. So on that, on that uh, side, what we've also learned is that in specific verticals, the type of interactions and questions that prospects are going to ask are very, very similar. You see, for example, in B2B, people ask about pricing, about security, yeah. about, you know, how much time does it take to implement? You know, do I need to commit for one year? Do you have a free trial? It's very, very similar. So we've already trained our engine to, one, understand those type of questions. Yeah. And then our customers, all they need to do is come in and say, okay, for a pricing question, uh, if somebody asks me, always introduce a rep. And this is how you need to reply for a free trial. Here's a response and here's a follow-up call to action. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is already preset and all they have to do is make the adjustments or add the right copy and answer that are specific to their, the way they want to do business. And then they can always have the option to add new type of questions that they anticipate their customers asking. And if they're unsure, that's okay. They start using the system. Each time we, don't, we, we see a new question that we do not know to identify, we escalate it to the rep, the rep can answer, and we learn from the rep. So, can, so look at it as we learn from each other. Exactly. Yeah, that's magic then, because then it's also easier to, to keep the system up, uh, up to date. You don't have to update it, uh, it updates itself. Exactly. So, so in the whole process of developing this system, when, is this, when did you start with it? So we started the company in January 2017. Okay. We started as a chatbot company, focusing on B2C companies. We actually had a few Dutch uh, customers uh, like Frisland Campina, if you know, but we had all over the world. But what we realized is that, one, the chatbot space was very crowded and competitive. Exactly. And we understood that we need to go and find a place where there's more value to our customers. And then I realized that the answer is quite obvious. It's, I looked at what I've been doing in my past and I've seen, hey, I actually had a problem that is worth a lot of money to the company and conversational technology can solve that problem. So we decided to switch about a year ago to B2B. 
And yeah. we understood that to support B2B, you need to support two-way email communication. And you need to make it super simple for any marketing and sales department to set it up. So that's kind of how uh, kind of the, the overall evolution. We also understood that we need to we have a chicken and the egg problem because to build a good system, we need data. Yep. But, you know, so what we did is we started use, collecting our own data. We then found and starting to train our engine. We then started and we found a few early adopters. We started using the product. We started collecting data. And then, you know, then every month we started adding uh, two to three customers. And this is how we started building our database and started uh, uh, strengthening our engine. Initially, we were actually viewing every response to make sure we don't do mistakes uh-huh. and make sure we collect and tag the data. But we now at a point where we don't do that anymore. We have very high percentage of accuracy to our system. And we only view those where our engine is unsure or is under a certain confidence level or threshold. Yep. So we're now in a very, very good place. We already identified 15 intents that are very common across all our customers, and that really, really simplifies how fast we can deploy a system. Oh, that's cool. So what did you do to ensure you deliver uh, yeah, the remarkable impact that you're delivering right now? I mean, what, what were the things that you did or perhaps decided not to do? All right. So first of all, the most important thing we did is two things we, we understood. One, when we are dealing with our customer leads, there's very little room for error. Okay, you can't screw up the communication to the leads. And the second thing is, because we knew we were missing data, we knew that we have to initially at least make sure that we look at every email before it is sent out, approve it, and if there's a problem, try to understand why there's a problem and uh, make sure that next time it won't happen, that problem. So initially, with all our first uh, customers, we were actually looking at all the responses and approving them before our customers see it. In the second phase, uh, okay, and that, and once we felt the product is stable enough, we felt comfortable to kind of, uh, I would say, removing the training wheels and let it uh, on autopilot. The other thing we understood, challenge we had, is that people are a little bit skeptic about the technology and the ability of AI to do better or as good as a rep. So we did a few things over there. One is we understood that we can't come and say, hey, I'll be better. And one, we cannot use the word, I will replace. So we positioned our solution as something that works alongside reps and making them more successful, doesn't replace reps. And I think that's the, that this will always be the case. You know, you can, you can really help a sales rep in doing everything around the, around the deal, but the deal at the end is something that happens between, in many cases, of course, it depends a little bit on, on what you're buying. But if you're not buying it online, then there is a sales rep involved, and that, that requires the human, the human touch. Right. You're absolutely right. So we're not replacing the rep. We're rather offloading yeah. a part of the process where a lot of the reps don't like doing, which is basically chasing leads, qualifying them, answering questions, which are probably are being asked again and again. So we're trying to remove that part and have them focus on revenue-generating activities such as talking to the customer, making proposals, understanding the requirements, and driving them to closure. True. So was there anything that went different than expected in that journey? Different than expected. So we did have one customer that 
of virtual rep that the way they wanted to test us is said let's have you work against a real rep and let's see who does better okay now to be honest when we work with a rep they compared us they benchmark our solution with the rep yeah. the rep to be honest spent maybe half an hour hour approving messages and stuff like that and it's and and then he worked independently with an email stream of his own yeah and after two months when we looked at the numbers we actually exceeded uh, the rep the, uh, the, the number of um, qualified meetings we were able to schedule was higher by 2%. I mean, it was there, he had 11%, we did 13%. So we were, I, was, I was surprised, I was totally surprised, and I tried to understand why that happened. So the reality is, there's two reasons. One is we did get some help from the rep. So if I was completely alone, we were not able to do it. Occasionally, we had the rep come in and approve a message or maybe edit a response. So that's one critical factor. And the other thing is that because it's a machine that knows to consistently follow up with a lead and be relentless and also knows to respond on time and then knows to identify when people are out of the office and resend the email. If somebody is asked to be contacted later, we know to, sure, we'll be happy to contact you in one month and then they know to follow up. Because all this is already built in the engine, it's amazing how much extra you know, conversions you can get by just kind of making sure you don't, nothing falls between the cracks. Yeah, true. And that's kind of why I think we were able to do a little bit better than a rep. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure we'll be able to replicate it at every customer. I think at the end of the day, you know, human beings, given un, unlimited time, will always do probably a better job than a machine. But that's also not what it's all about. At the end, it's about freeing people up, uh, what you're doing, and, and giving, giving valuable returns to, to do something useful with the free time, which is uh, qualified meetings. Right. That's, that's the engine. <laughs> that's how right. simple it is. Do you, for, for example, also, I mean, is, is that something that you might be looking into for the future? start to advise the, uh, the, the sales rep with regards to similar type of deals from the past that closed on a particular message or, or a, partic yeah, a particular uh, item that, that went really well uh, and, and made the deal close better than other deals. So we started building the infrastructure for that. And the, what we're doing today is that for every email and every response to a question, you can A-B test. You can provide several ways of responses. Yeah. And several ways of email variations, and you can do the variation based on you know, a person's title or industry or just simply A-B test. And because there's just so many different passes that a lead can go, because this is not, it's not a linear email drip campaign where there's five emails that go out and that's because it's a conversation. True. And what we're trying to do, our goal is eventually to, over time, start understanding and and knowing what is the best response, which best email to use for every given lead based on what we know or don't know about that lead. What I didn't mention is that we collect tons of information even during the discussion. We look, we look at the tone of the way they write emails and try and gather some information about it. We look at the email signatures to try and collect a title, address, phone numbers. We know to connect to the CRM and lead enrichment services and we get as much information as we can. And that also helps us guide the conversation. For example, if I need to know industry or location because it's important for me to know even to which sales team to forward that lead to, 
Yeah. If I have that information based on my lead enrichment, I'm not going to ask this question. If I don't have, I will ask the question. Sure. Yeah. Use every information to try and guide us and to, uh, sorry, to guide the conversation. And we do it dynamically and automatically, and we try to improve over time. So we still don't have that. We will provide the ultimate sales playbook for you. Right now, we're collecting the data. We're reporting on the data, what's yeah. best and what not. Over time, I want us to know automatically for every lead, what is the best playbook to use. Still, I mean, that's, uh, that's where it starts. But what I, what I also was, what I was pointing at was, are you going into sort of guiding the salesperson at the end as well? prescribing, for example, what could be the next step for the salesperson to close the deal faster in the, in the, in the final human phase. So we're a little bit doing it because we do have a mode today where you can choose to approve every email that goes out before yep. it's being sent out. Now, while it was designed for people to gain confidence in the system to make sure that we don't uh, send uh, rogue emails or you know, we're getting things incorrectly, we notice that some customers say, you know what, I want to stay with that mode. This in itself is a time saver. Okay, if you're going to just prepare the email for me and all I need to do is quickly review it and press approve, it's a win for me. Now, you can view that as a way to guide the salesperson. So we're doing some of it, but, but the type of interactions that we are right now in the middle of the funnel are very tactical. Okay, it's, it's asking yeah, responding. And I think at the bottom of the funnel, helping close the deal and what data to send to people and maybe what offer to give them, and something that is in our roadmap, but I also want to be careful because there are a few other companies who are focusing on trying to build this part of the solution, like an assistant to the sales rep. It's not automation, it's more uh, guidance. True. So I'm not sure if we're going to get to that at some point. I think we have enough challenges and just <laughs> making uh, even though it's mundane, uh, simple tasks. Okay. What was the catalyst moment, your, your, your breakthrough, where you suddenly saw, hey, we're going from, from our proof of concepts to real customers, and from there it started to take off? When I saw the numbers. When I, when I saw the numbers with our first customers, and I remember we presented them yeah. the numbers, and we asked them, okay, can you tell us, is this is also what you're seeing? When you calculate it from your side, you know, everybody sees different numbers. We're seeing our system, they see a bigger picture, they see the close rate, they see what happened after the, you know, after the rep talked to him on the phone. And they actually said that there's another set of data that we weren't aware of, for example. Sometimes when we're unsure what to do, we simply introduce the rep into the conversation, but we don't always go ahead and do the, schedule the meeting into his calendar. So we measure a scheduled meeting in the calendar like is like this is this is good. We schedule the meeting on the calendar. But sometimes we introduce somebody to the rep. The rep takes a conversation from there. Maybe he then goes ahead and schedules it schedules it by himself. Yeah. And when they gave us visibility also to how many deals were closed, not or scheduled, or how many meetings were scheduled, not through our scheduler, and we saw that it's much higher. So they came back to us and says, well we actually think the value is higher than what you are seeing in your system. We understood uh -huh. that we are onto something. Wow. So from all the things that you've learned so far, what, what advice would you give to, well, to, to leaders in this space, to, sell, to sales, sales directors, CSOs? Okay. What? So first of all, when I look at my competitor today, 
while I have other companies in the space who are doing similar things or attacking it from various directions, I still consider my number one competitor as a status quo. Mm -hmm. That's who really I feel I'm competing with. And I think that if I look at my advice I can give to any sales or marketing leader is that one, they don't have to be afraid of automation and AI. That I would, but the same token, I would not also drink the, over drink the Kool-Aid. I don't think AI is going to solve all your problems. And it's not going to, and you don't have to go and fire everybody and just let robots do it. I think we're far away from there. Sure. I think what you need to do is use it wisely, find a nice entry point, start pilot, piloting it, the technology. Don't take your 10,000 monthly leads and throw it into any AI system, an automation system. Start, you know, start with 1,000, 2,000 and double it every month and see how it's working for you because sometimes it can take a few months to fine-tune it and get it right. But once, you know, automation requires initial investment. Once you get through this initial investment, you start seeing the returns. So you need to be a little bit of patient. And don't, I also say, anybody looking at such technology, I would not look for some sort of a plug-and-play. I think it's far away from there. They will have to think, re-engineer their internal processes and see how they incorporate this virtual in agent or rep into their existing processes. Wise. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the way that a lot of companies, of course, but this is what I need to re- consider to get started. And I think I completely agree with you that to get started is the best way to do. Because if you, if you, do, if you don't do it yourself, someone else will. And we're at a stage where this is really possible. So what is your greatest aspiration from here? From here? I want to be the platform the the number one automation platform for marketing and sales. And when I say automation, a real real automation, okay, not just ability to automatically send emails, but send, you know, send, receive, and respond. I believe that this technology can be applied not only in marketing and sales, it could be applied in things like customer success, renewal of contracts, new product introductions, help drive adoption of products. There's also a use case for customer support, which I'm staying away from at this point. I prefer focusing on revenue generating type of activities. I think there's a huge opportunity to move into voice, but that will happen. I think we're still far away from that. Uh, Many other challenges which are related to voice and being able to appear as a real, real human voice. It's just very, very difficult. And I can see how hard it is in text to get it right with text. So adding another layer will be very, very difficult. My goal is that every company who has reps that are wasting time in qualifying and nurturing leads will outsource this, quote-unquote, to an AI, uh, AI automatic uh, sales assistant. That's a simple value proposition, I would say, specifically also with the returns that you give them. No-brainer. Yeah. So where can people go and find out more about uh, Exceed or say hi to you? All right. The best way is uh, you can go to our website at uh, www.exceed.ai. And I'm sure that if you use our product, you will exceed your goals and we will exceed your expectations. That's the beauty of the name. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, thank you very much for this inspiring talk. I'm glad that there there are companies like you that are helping out sales professionals to get much better use of their time and uh, from that perspective, much, much better performance reach that target, so to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, your time and the opportunity to talk to you. It was a pleasure. And for everybody listening today, 
Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Ilan Kazan, co-founder and CEO of Exceed AI. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.